It's a special week, community, with AFL Evolutions being released this week. We thought we'd put some uh, some actual commentary from the game over the greatest uh, AFL game intro that has been released from AFL Live 2004. A Fantasia. Intercepted almost by a Razio Fantasia. Welcome back to the Dr. Supercoach Podcast. You're on with Chizo and Pistol. It's a uh, exciting day, mate, because uh, AFL Evolution has uh, come out, mate. Have you got your hands on a new copy of that game there, champion? I do. I managed to jump out today and go and grab it quickly. Um, managed to test a couple games, although I'm unbelievably bad at the moment, so I think it's uh, it'll take some time to get used to. How about yourself? So you're you're telling me before that you're actually returning it after getting pumped by nine goals. <laughs> I did lose my first game, fifty-five to one. So um, <laughs> also it was a rush behind. So uh, yeah, it wasn't wasn't a great start. I can only improve, I guess. <laughs> Uh, so all I'm hearing, I haven't got a copy myself. Um, all I'm hearing is that you uh, don't want to encroach on the man on the mark. Their pistol is that uh, something that we the uh, community needs to know about? <laughs> I'd say um, just don't be careful when. The, I mean, be very careful on the <laughs> advantage rule because I mean, just win a free and then get tackled and then they've called advantage that you didn't hear and then you give away holding the ball and you have no idea what's going on. You just lose the ball all the time. How does the uh, deliberate out of bounds rule go there, mate? I'm, I'm not sure. I couldn't. They they managed to get the ball from the centre and always kick a goal. It never actually went out. <laughs> It's, it's something, uh, um, a little bit of a controversy this week is the deliberate out-of-bounds rule. We've had the, the AFL come out with um, their little survey where they, they asked the fans exactly what we thought of the AFL uh, out-of-bounds rule, mate. Um, 75% of us uh, in the, the AFL community said that we wanted the deliberate out-of-bounds, uh, but it wasn't being umpired correctly. What is your thoughts on it? I personally think it, it's definitely keeping the, the ball in longer. It's leading to uh, more exciting football, more scores um, as a general but it's probably just not being umpired as well as it would have hoped at this stage Uh, I'm a big fan so far so good I think for me the only thing I'm a bit unsure of is when somebody is in the back line and there's a contest and they manage to get like a quick handball out to a teammate that's you know standing near the boundary line but then that teammate instead of taking the ball just lets it roll out and stands back Um, it's not called it's not called deliberate out of bounds because the person who handballed it um, was being tackled or in the contest. But I think it should be a deliberate out of bounds because there was a free man there that didn't even attempt to get the ball. He just shepherded the ball out, didn't touch it, say it wasn't me. It was my teammate who was under pressure and then they don't call it. Um, I think it's a bit of a grey area that they're taking advantage of. Yeah, I think that that is encapsulated in the rule perfectly that it shouldn't be... 
um, say it's a teammate that's shepherding it, shepherding it out, if they had a legitimate chance to keep the ball in and they decided not to just because their other teammate was under pressure, that's deliberate. You're deliberately trying to get that ball out of bounds, whether you impact the ball or not. Conversely, if if you're the opponent, you've bombed it 50 metres down the line and there's no one but an opponent there, and he watches it go out of bounds, and he had the perfect opportunity to pick the ball up and keep the game going, but he watches it go over the boundary line, you shouldn't get, in my opinion, paid deliberate out of bounds because he had every chance to keep that ball in. What I see is if you've bombed it 50 metres up the line and there's literally no one there and it runs out of bounds, I can see that being deliberate. But I think that's just a little nuance to the rule that we've picked up since it's been in play, which is a fantastic reason why we should be um, playing it um, in game so we can find out these uh, these extra things we hadn't thought about that the deliberate rule is now encompassing people that don't actually touch the ball. And I think that's, um, as a whole, it's going to keep the uh, keep the game flowing uh, much better and something that um, I'm really interested to see how uh, how the AFL is going to manipulate it, uh, particularly probably leading into to next year. Um, another bit of news this year, Pistol, uh, rumours that Nate Fife is uh, heading to Victoria on 1.5 mil a year, mate. Uh, uh, what do you think of that? Well, to be honest, um, I've read quite a lot about it and I mean it's a stock standard response of you know either it's none of my business it's not my job or um, you know he's staying he's committed in 2017 to the Freo Dockers but when you're saying stuff like that I mean I know you have to and look he probably will stay but I don't know. It sounds a bit fishy to me. I think uh, this one might actually be true. You're actually going out on limb and saying that this might actually have some truth to it. Well, I know absolutely nothing, so it's just my personal <laughs> opinion. Um, oh, you're finally admitting it. <laughs> After all these years of helping you with your supercoach side, you're finally admitting it to me right here live on the podcast, mate. <laughs> no, I, I, about the Fife situation, I know absolutely nothing, but just by reading the little... Uh, bits of information that have been leaked and what everyone has to say about it. It's just a bit sus to me, so I think he might actually be going. I've just realised just then, I'm I'm just going to chop that little bit of voice from you. I'm going to put it on a sound effect uh, key and I'm going to do the podcast by myself from now on. So every time I'll be like, oh, Pistol, what do you think about that? I'll just press the button. Well, I know absolutely nothing. I know absolutely nothing. I know absolutely nothing. Um, hey, one more thing that I want to talk about um, before we get into some teams and stuff like that. Um, next week, uh, we've got round eight, the China game. Port Adelaide and uh, the Suns going over to China. Um, I'm actually really looking forward to um, uh, this game overseas, mate. We, we hear so many different opinions saying that oh, it's AFL's game, it shouldn't be played outside of Australia um, and things like that. But I, I love the idea of it going overseas to a different market. I think uh, uh, it's definitely my favourite game on earth. Uh, I hope that more people get ex- exposed to it so we can have uh, um, a better competition as a whole in the long run. Yeah, as long as it encourages more people to play i'm definitely all for it and i'll see how i feel uh, regarding that round nine buy and how it affects the other buyers um i'm not entirely sure how it's going to affect the competition if it's going to make the buyers a lot easier later or i'm not we'll see how it goes yeah definitely want to talk about something that we'll be talking uh, tonight on the podcast uh, especially hey we've had a few uh, donators uh, this week uh, to our cancer council victoria fundraiser that we do the everyday hero dr Supercoach. um we've got plunk 
He's back again. Jack's uh, putting in his another Zach Jones tax of ten bucks. Um, we've also got a, another couple donators there. Uh, Pistol, do you want to run through through these guys because uh, we definitely want to give them a shout out on tonight's podcast? Yeah. So Dylan, thank you very much for your uh, donation. His comment was, uh, "You guys are awesome." So I know he's talking about me and JB. Uh, <laughs> love to see promoting such a good cause, and it is a great cause. So thank you very much for the donation to the Cancer Council. And once again, uh, the Tubmeister has donated um, a massive donation. Thank Thanks so much, Tubmeister. And the comment of saying, I'm donating something because it's a great cause, but doubling it to match Finn Parker's contribution because for a 15-year-old, what he did was amazing. So thanks so much for that. And thanks for encouraging Finn. Thanks, Finn, for your donation. So yeah, everyone's getting around it, which is unbelievable. And it's for such a great cause. So couldn't be happier with how uh, it's gone this week. Absolutely. So we're uh, uh, $630 there, Pistol, pushing our way up to uh, the 1K mark. We're hoping uh, uh, hoping everyone can band together and we can beat last year's mark of 1,200. So we're just over halfway there. And and, uh, hey, as we've been mentioning, uh, everyone that gives a donation, their team goes into the running to have a, a team review live on the podcast. And, Dylan, you're our winner this week. Uh, we'll be reviewing your team a little bit later, which is a, a little bit interesting, Pistol, because uh, we had a look at it before, and if we don't do something, he uh, he might be giving us some extra coin for Donate for Donuts this week. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about it a bit later, but should mention, if you do want to uh, inbox us with your team, um, email us at drsc pod at gmail.com we did learn um just today actually chizo has fixed it that the contact us button where people were messaging us from the facebook page actually wasn't working it wasn't linked up so we weren't getting anyone's messages this whole time so apologize about that but for the couple people that have emailed us today we've responded to all of them so yeah, sorry about that, guys. Yeah, this is see, this is when that uh, that I know nothing button that I was just talking about would be really helpful because uh, you know I'd set up, the, worked on this big fancy website for everyone where everything was happy pistol, put a contact button in. I was like, yeah, this is going to go straight to the email, and then got to the contact page and it's just a blank page pistol. So I'm not sure if that's a, an inside joke that I was having myself that I didn't even know about. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> But yeah, uh, hit us up on the uh, uh, the, the emails there, guys. Uh, definitely one way to get in contact with us uh, if we have the uh, the inbox closed because uh, at certain times of the week, it goes a little bit crazy. And hey, if you do enjoy the podcast, you are getting some uh, benefit out of it. Feel free uh, uh, to consider subscribing to us on the uh, the iTunes and giving us a review because the more reviews we have, the more super coach uh, coaches can find us and basically our community can grow. And uh, in a week uh, like this week, Pistol, uh, that, you know, if... Uh, trends continue we could be bursting through to 30,000 likes this week on the page which is uh, absolutely fantastic because that, that's almost 5,000 new uh, Dr. Supercoach page um, people in the community that have just grown in the last five or six weeks uh, just since the season started mate and it's absolutely fantastic hey yeah unbelievable the the new admins at the start of this year have certainly helped give give the page a massive push which has been unbelievable so hopefully we can all keep it up and keep the page growing and keep the community growing okay for those just before we jump into some teams, mate, I want to just mention two really important things for those that uh, are wondering why a couple of the red dots might be showing up on their Supercoach against their uh, their their premiums. Nankervis out for one week for striking uh, David McKay behind the ball. Um, so Toby Nank will be talking about him later. He is suspended for for this round um, from Richmond. Um, and Toby Green out for two weeks after crudely uh, hitting Kaling Dabble uh, Daniel around the jaw um, in the uh, the 
the game up in uh, in Canberra. Um, so he's out for two weeks. Uh, so we'll definitely be talking about what we think we should be doing with uh, 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 Toby Green later on, uh, Pistol. Uh, the only good news to come out of it is that uh, Nate Fife got off uh, with a fine for his strike on Elliot Lowe. Uh, yo, so, mate, let's jump into some teams. I'll let you go off first here, mate. We'll jump into the first round of the game. Um, you have the Saints and the Giants there, champion. <laughs> We've got uh, Mavuela out again for St. Kilda with Nathan Wright replacing him. On the GWS side, there is uh, Toby Green suspension out, as mentioned before. Sam Reed and Nick Haynes out. Nick Haynes is actually out for eight to ten weeks with that hamstring injury. Phil Davis comes in um, to replace him with Himmelberg and Caniglio back for the first game of the season, which is massive. Um, He's potentially going to be a... top 15 mid this year from now on maybe um he certainly has the potential to break out and ward isn't scoring particularly well so maybe there's a couple extra um, midfield points for him it's a let's wait and see how he goes yeah um interesting on the Saints side ben long after being uh, uh dropped last week isn't even on the emergency list this week so um he could be one to keep a look at uh down the line we'll jump into uh north melbourne and the adelaide crows here mate uh no change on the adelaide side uh riley knight uh, has got over that hamstring injury but you know when you're you're winning so well as adelaide are there's no point in uh, in changing too much on the side i think that's uh, what we've seen across the board with a lot of the winning teams this year uh on the north side of things uh, Jared Waite and Ryan Clark come in for Jai Simkin and Aaron Mullet. Interesting for Aaron Mullet because uh, Ed Vickers Willis is on the bubble this week and a lot of people are going to be looking at him with that injury to the fourth metacarpal on the uh, the hand of Aaron Mullet, how long he's going to be out for. Generally, um, a fracture that gets plated um, pretty quickly in theatre, uh, you get an ORF done in there, pistol, that's just some of my uh, my normal work coming out there. Um, it, it, it's a, a one to two week injury for a professional sportsman. Anyone like you and me um, probably just get chucked in a cast and it'll be a six week injury. So it's going to be a week to week thing with Aaron Mullet. Um, going to be interesting to see if Ed Vickers-Willis gets any more benefit uh, points-wise with Aaron Mullet out. Uh, but he's just one to, that we'll touch on a little bit later in the rookies section. Um, Braden Pruce on the emergencies, mate. Um, do we ever think that uh, that Pruce is going to get back in the team? He's been sitting on that emergency list after he got rested, and uh, surely he's rested by now, dude. <laughs> well, Jared Waite did come in this week, so Pruce may have missed his you know, good opportunity to get back into that North Melbourne side. The thing is, he dominated in the VFL, so eventually I think they're going to have to play him, but I don't know when. I, I know they're trying to desperately get Proust to play as a forward so that they can play the Goldstein-Proust combination, but at this stage, I have no idea when he's going to jump back into that side unless there's a major injury to one of their key tools. I think Goldstein might be a lone ruckman, but even then, he's not even scoring particularly well as a lone ruck, so a very tough situation and one to monitor closely. It's shocking how bad Goldie's been this year, um, but we won't touch on that too much more. Jump into Collingwood and Carlton, mate. You'll be a little bit upbeat after last week's win. <laughs> well, the big news is uh, Jordan Dugowie comes in to play his first match of the season after um, coming back from a suspension and a broken hand. Ben Reid is in and Shade is arrested or managed. Um, Varko's out with a one to two week hamstring injury. Broomhead's out. Ramsey's in. I think that's particularly interesting because they've put in a defender for a forward, which means maybe Will Hoskin Elliott will be pushed back into the forward line. Last week, he played a lot um, behind the ball. So this week, I am expecting him to play forward. So he might not score that well, unless, of course, Collingwood thumps Carlton which is a possibility Chizo. 
Um, on the Carlton side, Zach Fisher unfortunately misses uh, with a hamstring injury. They said it will be only one week, but one week hamstring injuries are pretty uncommon, I'd say. Um, Jack Silvani is also out with a shoulder injury and income. Dale Thomas and Carriage. Dale Thomas against Collingwood. That's going to be great. I remember when he first moved across and he was having a set shot and goal and everyone was booing him and he was probably 25 meters out on a slight angle and he shanked it out of bounds on the full. So <laughs> looking forward to seeing what he does this week. We'll jump into the the Power and West Coast, which is going to be a fantastic game at, uh, at Adelaide Oval. Uh, Inns, we have Travis Boak coming back after his injury for the port side. Carl Amon is admitted. Um, on the uh, West Coast side of things, absolutely no change whatsoever. Um, it's going to be a, a fantastic game here, mate. Can Elliot Yo, keep up his fantastic scoring ways here, Pistol, is something I'm interested in because at the start of the year, I didn't even, I can say it right now, I, I didn't give him a second thought. I saw Elliot Yo, no. <laughs> no to Yo. I think, look, he could if he's going to score this well playing off the halfback and there's no reason to change him unless they're losing. So what happened the, the other week when they got smashed is they threw Yo into the midfield rotation and forward line um, rotation and he scored terribly. So it'll be interesting to see if Port Adelaide at home can get a couple goals ahead of West Coast. Maybe, you know, in the last quarter, if they get out to a big lead and West Coast, West Coast want to conserve energy for the next round, I wonder if they'll throw Yo forward or through the midfield. So... I'm going to be watching this one closely because it's going to be very interesting what they do with Yo, and he's someone worth keeping an eye on, especially his unbelievable start to the year. You need to definitely, you know, watch him. Just this touching week. the last thing we'll touch on this game here, Pistol, was uh, Sam Power Pepper finally bouncing back with uh, basically tunning up there for his mate just to get that cash generation going. Uh, uh, all those people that were jumping off him in droves might be kicking themselves here a little bit. Yeah, we definitely did recommend to hold him last week. He's just very inconsistent. He gets a lot of the ball. I said he's going to pop out, you know multiple 80 plus scores hopefully in a row this was one of them hopefully he can go back to back 90 plus and he'll just kickstart his cash generation absolutely um yeah roll home now in the gold i think uh it's curtin mutima's second game as well so he might be the only rookie for next week although job security would probably be an issue <laughs> uh, definitely one to have a look at uh take us through the suns and the cats mate can gary ablett go back to back double tons like ricky Ponting? so We'll start with the cat side. Uh, Tom Stewart is a big omission. He actually looked quite good last week for Carlton and for Col- against Collingwood. I think um, it's pretty strange that he finally started looking very comfortable at AFL level, and this is the week they drop him. Um, Sam Manajol is also out. Parfit did his hamstring, so he's out for eight to ten weeks. Boy, that looked bad. Um, Zach Smith's also out with Parsons, Menzel, Stanley, Thurlow in. Parsons does come in for his third game, so he's one to downgrade two this week um, if you need a forward rookie. On the Gold Coast Sun side, we've got Bose out, Fiorini out, Lonigan and Shaw both outs. Kate Kolodajny comes in with Stephen May. David Swallow is back for those at hell. And Brad Shear comes in for his first game. Chizo, do you happen to have a little bit of knowledge about Brad Shear? Uh, Brad Shear is, uh, how can we put it? He's a ball-winning inside midfielder that tackles like an absolute beast and hits the scoreboard. The only problem is he's a slim build for AFL. If we're talking about Neeful, he would be picked in your, your starting squad every single week here, here Pistol. Last week, uh, 33 touches, 8 tackles, um, working hard uh, with a lot of uh, score impacts. I'm just going to read out some of his stats from his junior years here, Pistol. Uh, uh, playing for, for Queensland uh, in the under-18 championships, averaging uh, 25 disposals, a contested possession rate well above the AFL average at 63%. Uh, a tackle 
tackles of 7.3 a game. Um, I just want to read out just one stat here, mate, that really, really takes the cake. Uh, averaging 148 super coach points when he played for Queensland uh, in the Division 2 under-18s, when he played uh, with the Allies in the Division 1 championships uh, against Vic Metro and these kind of guys, he backed it up with 119 super coach average across the four games. If he can get a good run, a basement price like Brad Shear is going to be absolutely fantastic for our teams here, Pistol. Definitely one to keep a look at. Um, but it, it, with the uh, the buy coming up, we do actually get a few couple weeks, uh, a few weeks uh, to have a look at him because uh, he's going to uh, pretty much uh, come up onto the bubble the the week that they have their buy. So uh, one to, to definitely take a look at. Um, how are you going with the uh, the dilemma of the David Swallow here, Pistol? Have you you come to terms with the fact he might be stuck with him all year? <laughs> Maybe not all year, but I'll probably be stuck with him through at least the first couple buy rounds I've committed to him now so hopefully he commits back to me and can score 100 (laughs) plus points or some sort of return that's greater than 55 would be fantastic absolutely there mate Uh, I'll run through uh, the doggies in Richmond it should be another cracking game but I I think we saw the uh, the deficiencies of Richmond when they they get hold of uh, a real AFL contender gets uh, gets a hold of them Um, they just fall apart a little bit so uh, it's going to be interesting what happens at Etihad Stadium uh, on Saturday night against the Bulldogs. Uh, on the Bulldogs side of things, Bailey Dale is omitted for Matthew Boyd, who comes back after a, a little bit of a rest. Uh, on the Richmond side of things, there are a few changes. As we mentioned earlier, Toby Nankervis is out with a suspension. Dion Prestia with a hamstring injury. Um, Pistol, I actually have no news on the, the the severity of that hamstring. It was a little bit of a surprise to me. It could have been uh, something that he's just picked up uh, uh, in training during the week. Uh, Stephen Morris is omitted. I can't actually believe Morris got another game. He All he does is just run around frantically and pretend he's tackling people. And uh, Reese Conker uh, injured a list Frank injury with his foot, uh, which is not generally a, a good one when you uh, you have that to the uh, the, the dorsal side of your foot. Um, how are you seeing this one here play out, mate? Because we've got on the ins for Richmond, Todd Elton uh, back in for uh, another game. Anthony Miles, Ivan Soldo coming in for his first game, and Corey Ellis, my boy from last year, mate. How are you seeing this game and what do you think uh, Dan Butler's chances of actually putting out a decent score this week? Oh, don't like his chances. Um, it's a pretty scary thought to see Todd Elton named as the ruck for Richmond with the backup Ivan Soldo. Ivan Soldo is 123k um, ruck rookie, but I mean, I know Bulldogs don't have a strong ruck themselves, so I guess it's the only team that this was probably going to be okay against, but it's still... That's um, going to be tough work for those Richmond um, midfielders because they're probably not going to get first use of the ball and then they're competing against Bulldogs midfield who are all Jets. Um, I'm not sure it's going to be happy days for Richmond or Butler owners. Yeah, uh, it's going to be the the battle of the big boys. You've got Tom Boyd versus Todd Elton. That's going to be a battle of the ages, mate. I can't wait to see that. And the Bulldogs were so happy with their their ruck line of uh, Tom Boyd that they left Tom Campbell on the bench, so uh, on the emergencies list. So that's definitely interesting, uh, mate. Take us through uh, another cracking game. Can the Swans get themselves off the campus, the canvas, and actually beat someone this year against the Lions at the SCG? They're doing it, Chizo. They're absolutely doing it. I have 100% faith in the Sydney Swans, mostly because Dane Beams is out. Nothing to do with Sydney Swans, but uh, I should say Beams is out with a quad injury. Cutler is out again with that hamstring. So interesting to note that he originally got told it was a one-week hamstring injury, wherever we heard that before. Came back in, got 28 touches, and now he's injured again with a hamstring injury. So yeah, the one-week hammies, it's always a bit sus. Um, 
pepperoni pizzas in barrett tom bell josh walker and josh clayton make their way to the interchange um on the swan side we've got laidler out brandon jack out james rose out gary rowan concussed he was out cold and on the ins you've got marsh who's straight into the side naismith who's named as the ruck alir alir oliver florent jordan foot Jarrett mcvain dean towers all on the extended interchange Cheezo, looking at this bench here, I'm not 100% convinced Nick Newman is going to get a gig this week. It is actually worrying that, uh, you know, in the space of a month, this could be the second week that Nick Newman misses out a spot in the back line for the Swans, whereas Lewis Melican coming in on the bubble for his third game, not even named on the extended bench, he's at centre-half back. With a Lear Lear on the bench... You know, Jared McVeigh already named as coming back this week. There's a lot of, there's not many spots in there for for our boy Nick Newman. We could be seeing his cash generation stunted again. No, I should read out the bench just so uh, people know what we're talking about. There's Alira Lear, Oliver Florent, Jordan Foote, Nick Newman, Jared McVeigh, Callum Sinclair, Dean Towers. Four of them make it, three miss out. I think the ones that miss out might be Dean Towers, Alira Lear, if they are going ahead with um, Melikin, and probably one of Florent or Foote, although give Given the um, fact that Gary Rowan is out, uh, I'm guessing Florent will make it and Foot might miss out, but there is every chance that Nick Newman does get omitted this week. So definitely pay attention to teams tomorrow and fingers crossed he makes it. What that highlights it basically is that we're so undecided of what this interchange could be finally that you, you can't with any confidence just stick Nick Newman on the field this this week. Um, at least to start, at least by Saturday night, we will know if he's going to be sitting there, but um, definitely one to be, to be keeping an eye on. Uh, Jake Barrett comes in on the other side, mate. He's at centre half, uh, sorry, a, a half forward flank there. Um, interesting that he's playing the similar kind of role in the kneeful over the last week. He, he only had 14 touches, but he did kick three goals one and he was definitely playing that that uh, that forward um, a tackling pressure kind of player instead of a mid roaming after the ball which is the way he plays best I know in the knee he's been averaging 30 plus touches over the last three years when he's playing as a midfielder and that's why a lot of us were excited when we could pick him this year but they're definitely playing in a slightly different role, role that we've mentioned before and Against Sydney, I'm not sure he's going to be picking up enough disposals or kicking enough goals up in that forward line to be able to justify him, A, playing us on, on the field, or B, making us any more money. Well, he's definitely going to make some money given he's got a negative break even, but I think he'll get some midfield rotations with beams going down. So I'm not too worried in the short term for Barrett. Well, I mean, I am worried that it's going to get dropped, but I'm, I'm not too worried. At least he's making more money because... I was worried we're just going to get stuck with uh, him on the bench for the entire year. And we're on Jared Berry watch. Now that Beams is out, Berry is named as a follower. And uh, something you touched on the other week, mate, he is actually probably one of the first... Uh, footballers that we've seen on the bubble lose cash in their first price change and he's been rewarded with a a chance to play Rover now that Beams is out, mate. So could he actually reach his starting price again? (laughs) He has passed it because he did go down. He went up last (laughs) week with a 62. So he's at 147k (laughs) with mid DPP status. So as a mid defender, um, not the worst option. Obviously his scoring potential is fairly low, but he did score 62 last week, which was way better than any other the week maybe this will be the kickstart he needs 
if you want to take a punt, I mean, it's not the worst thing I've heard. And the second last game of the round, we've got Fremantle and Essendon at Domain Stadium Sunday afternoon. Uh, a few changes that are run through on the Essendon side of things. Quite a few of them actually impact our Supercoach sides. We've got uh, Watto getting rested. Job, uh, you know, uh, coming back uh, after a year off, he does uh, probably need a rest, particularly when he's uh, a big flight over to Domain Stadium. Andrew McGrath is being rested as well, and Ben McNeese um, rested. Uh, ben McNeese has been quite admirable when he's playing uh, Pistol, but uh, when you've got the likes of Martin Gleeson um, and you've got Connor McKenna and these kind of guys running off the back line, uh, his, his spot was always going to be a, a little bit un. Uh, under fire. Um, on the Docker side of things, we currently have no outs. We only have an extended bench. Ethan Hughes, Griffin Logue, Darcy Tucker, Tommy Sheridan, Brady Gray, uh, Nick Subin and Cameron Sutcliffe with three to be omitted. Uh, not much to mention there, mate. You might as well jump into the last game of the round, which is Melbourne and Hawthorne. And uh, I'm not sure if I can pick a, 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 a team that I want to go for in this game. <laughs> what do you have against Melbourne? Well, they beat Essendon last week, didn't they? Well, I mean... The way Essendon played, I'm sure they're not going to get too many more victories. <laughs> Sorry, Chiso. Um, so, Jake Melksham's out for Melbourne with Hogan back in. Uh, Dean Kent also in with Stretch and Josh Wagner on the extended interchange. Um, for Hawks, Birchall is back. Cyril is back. White Cross is, I'd say, back, but it's probably going to be an emergency. Um, not too much here. It was good to see Blake Hardwick get his third game last week. Um, he is named on the extended interchange, so I'm not sure he's going to continue, but um, it is great to see Hogan back. Um, I didn't expect it to be this so soon, so quickly, actually, to be honest, Chizo. Yeah, and, and sometimes with these things, obviously I can't speak for Jesse, but getting back into a routine, getting back to your, your normal daily life can help, um, you, you know, help manage some of the stresses and, and the things that, that, that come with tragedies in life. So uh, really hoping that that's something that's going to benefit Jesse. And, you know, he's grown up playing footy. He, he obviously really enjoys it. So it's something that even for two hours on a, on a Sunday afternoon that might be able to take his mind off things. Um, Hawks side of things, I just want to talk about Tom Mitchell absolutely killing it for those that have him. Right next to him, named on a wing, Jaeger O'Meara. Jaeger O'Deara. No, just, that was terrible. Um, <laughs> th- <laughs> th- 39. Absolutely terrible pistol. Uh, as someone that's uh, committed to, to keeping Jaeger, I'm really struggling trying to not trade him out every week. Like, you've got Parsons this week. You know, um, I do want to get rid of him because he is out for the next 10 weeks. At least Jaeger's playing, but there's always that little nagging thought in the back of my mind. It's just like, Jaeger, just be so nice. Just to just give him the flick. Use the minus 10K that he's made for me and then just not have to worry about him for the, the rest of the season, mate. Yeah, he's got a break-even of 104. So, coming off back-to-back, I think he's got 40 and 39. That's a tough to swallow I think you're either trading him this week or you're going to commit to him at least until he goes up a little bit in price surely you can't drop more or too much more after this week um He's already a very low price, so it's hard to go even lower. Not good news for those with Diego. Yeah. Well, uh, okay, we'll jump into uh, some trades here, mate. We'll jump into my section, Cheetos. Cheetos, Cheetos. It ain't easy being cheesy. 
All right, mate, same as usual. We'll jump into those on the bubble that we need to be looking at trading into our side. We've got four that I want to mention. Um, those on the bubbles, we've got James Parsons, Aaron Black, Ed Vickers-Willis, and Lewis Melican. Um, interesting because uh, we can actually compare um, the two of them against each other. Aaron Black, Jared Parsons, uh, James Parsons, uh, both forwards. Lewis Melican, Ed Vickers-Willis, both defenders. So we can actually toss up who we'll be looking at week in um, uh, for, for better scores. Um, obviously, uh, other guys like Ben McNeese, who uh, we did think would be getting a third game, um, going to sit on that bubble just nice for us. Um, I'll start in the back line here, mate. A lot of people are pretty much just locking in Ed Vickers-Willis. But Lewis Melican has kind of come out of left field. He's definitely named on field this week, same with Ed, um, for their third game. Lewis Melican averaging 61, break-even of negative 49, versus Ed Vickers-Willis only averaging 54, minus 36 break-even. Talk me through it, Pistol. I think it's about job security here. Um <sighs> This one's really tough because I don't think either have particularly great job security. As you said, Mullet could only be out for one to two weeks and he does play a very similar role to Ed Vickers-Willis. Not, Mullet's more doesn't lock down as well as Ed Vickers-Willis, but they also have a lot of um, defensive depth. So he could Vickers-Willis could come out at any stage. I think if they get pumped by Adelaide, maybe pumped next week as well if Mullet's not back and Vickers Willis plays they might start playing more kids in which case he'll probably get a decent run but I think you could say the same about Melican. if Swans lose to Brisbane this week I expect Aaliyah Aaliyah not to play this week maybe next week I wonder at what stage do they drop Grundy and just play Aaliyah Aaliyah and Melican just for games experience I mean You'd think if they lose to Brisbane and they're 0-7, they probably just start playing the kids, Chizo. Yeah, they basically just have to call it then, don't they? When 0-6 is almost pretty much time to call it, but I think they're giving it one more week. The only reason that I would probably say um, Ed Vickers-Willis, for me, has better job security is because Mullet, he, he was playing with Mullet in the team, and now that Mullet's out, at least we've got at least one to two weeks that we don't have to worry about it. At the end of this week of the bubble for Lewis Melican, he could very easily be out next week and have Aaliyah Aaliyah take his spot at centre-half back. At least with, with Ed Vickers-Willis, even when Mullet does return from injury, those two games that he played with Mullet in the side still give me enough confidence that he's not going to be one of those guys that make way for Mullet to come back in, even though that Mullet's been playing well. So for me, that would be the reason that I'll be picking Ed Vickers-Willis. It's just a perceived um, better job security, as you say, even though that this week Lewis Melican might make more money than, say, Ed Vickers-Willis, their pistol. Yeah, no, I think you summarized everything quite well. Yeah. All right, in the forward side of things, we've got two cats that we get to look at. We've got Aaron Black averaging 74, negative 68 break-even, 137K, and James Parsons, 117K, averaging 64, minus 59 break-even. Mate, talk us through these two. Ooh, that was a great article um, from Judge Jesse. It's on our page and on our website if you do want to look at it it is comparing black and parsons um basically the long and the short of it is i still don't trust aaron black if he's not kicking goals i think he'll be out of there sooner rather than later parsons they must love you know he came in from nowhere played two games got suspended and then brought him straight back he plays kind of a similar role to parfit so i think he as well as being named on the field when black was named on the extended sorry not on the extended on the interchange I just think Parsons might have a tiny bit more job security. And then you've got to take in the fact that Parsons is 20K cheaper than Black. So 
I think that even though Black is a slightly better negative break even, um, Parsons is probably the one for me this week. Yeah, and the the thing for me, I think what sums it up is Aaron Black, 101 in his first game, second game, 48. Whereas at least with... Uh, with um, Parsons, he put up a 60 and then a 68. You know, he's going to be a little bit more, uh, his standard deviation is going to be less because it doesn't rely on him kicking five goals a week. Um, the thing with uh, Parsons is that he does play that parfit role. I'm getting my pars mixed up tonight. Uh, parfit out for the next 10 weeks with that, that um, you know, that severed hamstring. So he definitely does have a spot. And the fact that he's gone off for two weeks and then comes straight back into the team, no VFL, not even on the extended bench, he's named straight into the side. You know, it, it gives me uh, enough confidence to think that he is someone that they really bank on playing. And for me, that's uh, not only is Parsons cheaper, that 101 is going to roll out of Aaron Black's rolling average at the end of the next week. And then he, you'll probably find that their break-evens actually flip and Parsons has a, a, a lower break-even than, than Black does. And I, I, I think it, we've got enough history from Black to know that you just can't trust him over his last you know half decade in the AFL. Whereas at least Parsons is this young guy that um, it plays that slightly different role. And I think he's going to be a better cash generator in the long run there, Pistol. So using DPP, I think a lot of people are going to have to pick between let's say Parsons and Ed Vickers-Willis when those two are on the table, which one would you choose? I think I would pick Parsons just for the fact that he's going to be a better scorer. Um, you know, he's 6K uh, cheaper than Ed Vickers-Willis, which at the end of the day doesn't make all that much difference. But I think Ed is more of a lockdown defender. He's more of a stop you getting the ball rather than he going getting it. Whereas James Parsons is exactly the opposite. As we saw the other week, if he doesn't have the ball, he wants to elbow you in the face until he gets it back. <laughs> so uh, who doesn't want to elbow Luke Hodge in the face? So let's be honest. Um, but he's that kind of player that is actually going to go out and after, get after the ball. And I think for that reason, if I could only choose one of them, he is the guy that I would be choosing. And in fact, he is the one I am picking out of the two for my team this week. Fantastic. So what, let's say, premium options are we going to look at this week? Absolutely. Um, we did touch on last week the, the Fallen Premium versus the Uber Premium. And one of the guys that we touched on that we should have jumped on last week uh, was uh, Scotty Pendlebury, mate. Um, uh, I didn't catch too much of that game. Do you want to – I'll let you run through exactly how he went in the last, uh, last round there, mate. <laughs> he was bloody unreal. And his history against – Carlton is amazing as well. Basically, lock him down as your VC. He has had ripper scores against them. I'm just bring them right up for you, Cheezo. Sorry, I accidentally closed the page right when I was trying to change <laughs> to the page. So Pendlebury scores are unbelievable against Carlton. He has a career average of 125.3 against Carlton. So that's 125 as an average. So that's more than any other team and by quite a fair margin. Let me read to you his scores this is all in a row. I'll start from his most recent. 161, 143, 129, 158, 131, 102, 154, 121. That's dating back to 2003. That's pretty much an average of more than 130 against the Blues for Scott Pendlebury. Honestly, I cannot see past him being a VC or a C option this week. 
Um, that's incredible scoring. And he's probably the cheapest is going to be all year, Chi. So he's only 577K. Yeah. Obviously, starting around the 650 mark, this is basically the cheapest you're going to get him. Um, even though uh, he uh, uh, he has dropped that little bit of cash, I'll just read out his, his scores for the year. I know you've just jumped through a lot of numbers. He's put up a 146 in round one, a 120, a 125. He had a 94, which was slightly down. He had that uh, that off game at Anzac Day, which he openly came out and admit that he, he just couldn't get into the game. It just wasn't his day. And then bounced back with 149. Like, uh, the guy's absolutely on fire. Even with that 67, and his, his average is still averaging 117. Um, this is the cheapest you're going to get him if... Uh, and, and you're basically taking all my uh, all my trades this week, Pistol. Um, he is one that I, I, I'm, along with James Parsons, he's my other player that I'm getting in. I'm going up one up down. Um, so if we're looking at someone else, uh, you, you've got uh, the two schools of thought that we've talked about, the, the Uber premium or the, uh, the underprice. Um, mate, one that you were huge, you were huge on in the preseason and then chickened out was Rory Sloan here, mate. He, no, I still only owned by 6% of the competition, but he's the number one scoring player in Supercoach this year. If we don't get him now, will we ever get him this year, Pistol? <laughs> well, to be fair, he is 675K, so he is... 100k more than Scott Pendlebury, which is just massive and depends what you can do with that money. I don't like paying top dollar. 675k is a lot. His break even is still 118. He probably will exceed that for you know the next couple of weeks. If you're if you want to pay that much for him, go for it. But if you're choosing between a Pendlebury or a Sloan, I would definitely get a Pendlebury. It's a lot to ask for to pay that much, although he's definitely a good option, so I can't really argue if you do want to get him. Yeah. Uh, The second highest scoring player for the year, Marcus Bontempelli, uh, another 140 up on the weekend, averaging 123. Uh, Nothing really unexpected from the Bont this year. Uh, Say you've you've got a Rory Sloan, you've got a Pendlebury, would you be taking the time right now to be trying to get on Marcus Bontempelli while he's only priced 604000 I think it depends on your other trade. His break-even is 126, so he probably won't go up very much if he does score well, which I assume he will score well against Richmond. He is a very favorable um, career average against them as well. There are some other players that are cheaper, although Bont is someone that I would be looking at getting in because I think he's going to maintain 120 average for the rest of the year, which is quite a big call. If you do want someone cheaper, you might want to have a look towards Dustin Martin. He's only 538k, and he's got a break-even of 131, so he's probably going to get cheaper, Chizo. Yeah, and the thing is, he's still averaging 112 roundabouts for the year. So, you know, he's had those couple really poor... He, he had that, that really, really poor game that has, uh, for a, the, the three weeks, absolutely killed his, his price. Um, overall, he's dropped about uh, 50 grand. But he's still overall averaging 112. So it's not like he's been uh, he's had that huge tail off and he, he's not being any good again. But the thing is with Dusty, once that starts rotating out of his his, his uh, three-round rolling average, he, that price will start to go up again. I do like the look of Dustin Martin. Um, one that everyone have been raving about this week, the GOAT, is back Gary Ablett. 210, is that something... Is that more signs of things to come? Pistol... Would we be getting Gary before or after his buy is a question? Because if we don't go now, we might not be able to afford him. But if we do go now and then he has the buy, that's another premium we've got on the bench. It's a dilemma that everyone um, that loves Gary is facing this week. Yeah, to be honest, he scored 210 and is still only averaging 116. So 
it is unbelievable 116 but it's as much as Pendlebury I'm not sure he's got a break even of 43 he is at price at 585k but he he misses a game in two weeks time I'm not sure it's you can justify getting him this week just for him to sit out in two weeks and then cop a rookie score who even knows if your rookie's going to play and the carnage might continue so for me it's a pass I'd probably look to get him after the buy but even then he, if he's priced at you know 650k um, which he well and truly could get up to. I'm not sure Gaz is going to be an option for a lot of us this year. Yeah, and a lot of people jumping on him are chasing points. We say it um, across the board, don't chase last week's points. And I, do you know what he was averaging before he put two upper and 10 last week, Pistol? He was averaging 98 across the first five rounds. And if he didn't put up 110, say he only put up 140, which is still a good score last week, and he was then only averaging 106, 107, would everyone still be clamoring to get on top of him? I'm not sure they would be, mate. So I think for me, um, exactly the same uh, for me. It's a pass. Um, If I'm looking at someone that's kind of like a fall-in premium, uh, like we touched on last week, another one that I want to mention, Dan Hanabry. Across the last four games, he's starting to kind of show that he's turning the tide for for the Swans again. And I know we say it every week, community, that the Swans are going to rattle off a few wins in a row here. Across the last four games, even though they've lost, Dan Hanabry has still put up 106 average. He's down 80K overall for the year. Again, you can get him for the same price as Dusty, 537K. Break even of 103. So, you know, he's there, there thereabouts. Um, he shouldn't, uh, you know, unless he puts up 190, you sh- he shouldn't go up too much uh, money this week. But he would be one of the falling premiums that I like the look of their pistol. Um, basically, just because he has dropped enough money um, compared to his starting price. He's starting to get back on track and the Swans are starting to look like they, uh, well, we're expecting them to get back on track, their their pistol. So um, that's something I'll be uh, I'll be definitely looking at there, mate. So that's someone else I'd look at, um, particularly because a, a lot of us are, are trading beams this week. So prices uh, for a lot of us isn't an issue. So um, that's why we're touching on a lot of these more expensive guys. Um, hey, someone I want to touch in the, the back line there um, that we did mention last week, uh, Alicia Rebecca was uh, pleading with us to tell her that Cade Simpson was going to be a good choice and uh, she might have missed out on 148 points there, Pistol, because he bounced back last week and was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, we asked him to show us something to, to say, pick me, and he he did. So, I mean, there we go. The, the writing's on the wall. I think... Um he must be a decent option. I mean, scoring, you don't just score 148 as a defender by a fluke, especially when you've got the history that Cade Simpson has. So he might be back, in which case, go for it. Um, unfortunately, a lot of people may not have jumped on last week. Sorry about that, but it is still pretty, <laughs> pretty risky if he hasn't shown anything to, to jump on him. Um, I think there's another premium defender option that may have been my punt last week. Who was it again, Shizo? Uh Was it Alex Rand? No, I don't think it was Alex Rand. <laughs> Uh, would have been Dylan Robertin, wouldn't it there, Pistol? It was. Pistol's punt last week was Dylan Robertin. He was in 1% of teams. And I said, go for it. He would be someone I would look at trading in. And boy, did he go massive. He's now the second highest averaging defender. Um, well, actually, he might not be. He's definitely the second highest averaging. That's not in my team um, <laughs> because I didn't have Doherty. <laughs> but he is averaging 109 at the moment, which is unbelievable. That is just a little bit behind uh, Taylor Adams and Laird. He has a break even of 50, and he's priced at 535k, so he's going to go up in price. 535 
does seem still kind. Um, I'm not sure if he's going to maintain 110 average the whole year, but I feel quite comfortable in him having about 100 average. So if you want to jump on him, uh, I think this could be the week to do so, Chizo. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Hey, mate, um, if we're looking for someone in the forward line... Um, Who's someone that we, we should be looking at? Uh, say we uh, we are trading out Nankervis that we'll touch on in a second and we're looking to go to a premium. Who's someone that you would be looking at? Uh, I could uh, throw up a name, someone like a, a JJK. He's averaging 108 already this year, but he's still only 508K. He's dropped $24,000 already. He's got a break even of 83. Is uh, JJK someone that you would be looking at uh, as a, uh, say, a swap for Toby Nankervis? I'm not sure I would trade out Toby Nankervis when there's missing one week but if I was going to upgrade to for cover um, I think JJK is definitely someone I would strongly consider especially with that round 12 buy him and Yo and Higgins all all share that buy and I think you're going to need one of those guys in your team just to help alleviate the stress um, through the buys Yo and JJK are basically the same price. If you had to choose one of them, which one would you choose? I think of me personally, as I said before, it's uh, we have players we like, we have players we don't like. So if you if you like Yo over JJK, that's totally fine. I think for me, I would pick JJK because he's got that proven history that he can go at the 100 mark. Yes, he's going at 108 at the moment, and we can probably expect a little bit of a tailoring off, but I just don't like players that can have their role change from quarter to quarter. And that's just a personal thing for me. And you can probably put all the stats up in front of me that you like, but it's just going to be something that I would choose basically because he's on my blacklist. And, you know, we shouldn't have blacklists. We shouldn't have these things. We should just be totally straightforward thinking people here, Pistol. But I love Supercoach and I don't want to play a game with people in my side that I just don't like, mate. (laughs) (laughs) No, I actually love watching Yo play. So... For me, I think the safe pick is to get JJK. However, I like watching Yo play, and it is a risky pick. He is averaging 112, and he might not even slow down. It's kind of an unknown with Yo, so I would say get Yo. I know it's probably the unpopular and definitely the more risky. I can appreciate it's a more risky pick, but for me, uh, Yo is the go. Higgins as well is very kindly priced at 540, sorry, 444k. What do you think about jumping on Higgins now that he's had his uh, one-week break? Um, I think Higgins has shown enough that he's definitely got that role that we we do like. I know uh, JB tells us every week about how good uh, Sean Higgins is. Um, But, you know, he's averaging about that 100 mark, which is slightly below a lot of the guys we've seen. We've got, you know, the Dalhouse is averaging 110. You've got the McRae's uh, averaging 105. Um, Who else we've got? Uh, Elliot Yo averaging 112. So there's a a few guys that are averaging um, a bit above... Um, is Sean Higgins but again as we said at the start of the year with the forwards we're really only expecting say around the 100 mark for our top six so he's definitely in the question there the only problem me with uh, with Sean Higgins is he I know we say he's he's kind of gotten over his injury prone part of his career but you know he's already missed a week here pistol like do we see, you can't predict how many weeks he's going to miss in the future I think I would feel much better picking someone like a Dalhouse or a McRae or someone like this that we have um, kind of more confidence that uh, in their body is going to hold up. And again, we're talking about someone that I have on my blacklist because he's burnt burnt me so many times. But Sean Higgins with that new role in the midfield, if he can kind of push forward and kick another goal 
um, a little bit more than he has already. He's going to be an absolute smashing option. And as you said, he's got a fantastic buy for our team's pistol. Yeah, and he is 444K with a break even of 65. So he's going to go up quite a lot in price. So if you do want to jump on him this week, it's it's so cheap for potentially, well, probably a top 10 forward as long as he gets through the games, even top six. Um, yeah, I, I think he's quite a good option and you just sometimes have to risk it with that history. And maybe if you've got, if you've already burned through a lot of trades, like more trades than you have wanted, probably don't get him just in case. But if you haven't and you're, you know, chasing your overall, you're chasing your league, I think 444K, you can't really go too wrong. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the, the one week off actually probably benefited is that he hasn't had that extra price rise. Because if we're talking about him um, without that weekend, we could be talking about him at, you know, 490K instead of have 440. And, you know, that is a fantastic price. Hey, mate, um, I think that pretty much wraps up all the kind of trade talk that I want to talk about. I want to jump into Dylan's team. He was the guy that uh, donated for us this week. And he does have his, uh, his team that we're going to reveal and uh, just go through a little things that might help him out. Uh, do you have the team there in front of your pistol? Yeah, I sure do. So um, Dylan says he's currently ranked at 3,200. So what that says to me is he's probably going for overall. He hasn't mentioned if he's going for overall league. Um, he doubled downgraded last week. So he's got 420K in the bank, which is great. Lots of money to play with. He did say he was thinking of doing a double downgrade again to bring in Parsons and Vicar Willis. However, he may be getting a donut. So now looking at his team... <laughs> He probably is getting a donut. I mean, <laughs> I should re- read out his backline. Yeah, go go from defense and uh, we'll, we'll read through his team. His backline's solid. It's got Laird, Adams, Simpson, Otten, Marchbank, Newman, Hampton, and Stewart. Quite standard. In the midfield, he's got the Bont, Pendles, Danger, Fife, Pritis, Dane Beams, Andy McGrath, Jager O'Meara, Pal Pepper, Barrett, Fisher. In the Rucks, he's got Grundy and Sandilands with uh, Strianka on the bench. Dalhouse, Nank, Green, Butler, Parfit, Balik, Hannon, and Eddie on the forward line bench. That is four forwards out for Dylan, which is no good at all. He does say here um, he really likes the advice and he thinks a donation to the council council would solve for a great cause. He said he will continually donate for donuts as well. So that's when you get a donut, you pledge a certain amount, and you donate to that. He said he's going to donate for donuts, so I reckon he should take probably four donuts this week, Cheezo. What do you reckon? <laughs> yeah, so uh, Nank, Green, Parfit, and Sub Eddie on the field. Um, keep Beams, McGrath on the field, and probably trade out Bont and Pendles for some non-playing rookies, I would suggest. What do you think? <laughs> Sounds like a lot of money to charity, actually. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, we'll get into it. Obviously, uh, Nankervis and Green, um, I'm going to come out and say it now, Pistol use say if I'm wrong, I reckon he has to hold both. Yes, I think you have to hold both of those. Yep, Green averaging 100 this year already. Um, he, he's not out with an injury, which is, you know, the two-week to three-week buffer is the hardest one to, to kind of decide on. Um, but when you're not injured, you're out with uh, making a stupid decision, which we, you know, Toby uh, Toby Green does that every, uh, you know, twice a year. Um It's pretty much you just hold. Unless it's three weeks, you hold. Um, Toby Nankervis, one week, going absolutely fantastic. Again, a hold. That leaves us with a problem because we've got Eddie and Parfit in the forward line that aren't playing. So even if we sub those guys on, uh, we've got two donuts. In the midfield, we do have Beams. We've got McGrath not playing. But we do have Power Pepper and Barrett. 
um, with, uh, with that can come on for those guys. So um, the only way that I can see that we can make sure that we get no donuts here, Dill, is we either go a Parfit and an Eddie out and we see what we can do with the, the cash from that or we say get a Beams out, put Parfit onto the midfield bench and then use the cash in the forward line to turn Beams um, into, say, uh, an Elliot Yo and a Brett Eddy into whatever money you have left. I think we worked it out earlier, uh, Pistol, that um, if we uh, went Dane Beams um, to a, a premium, we'd have a, yeah, to, to a McRae, uh, we had about uh, 500k to play with for Brett Eddy, which would leave you with uh, someone like a, a Buddy Franklin uh, or the Higgins that we mentioned before and still have a little bit of cash to play with yeah i think the only way you're going to get out of this alive and try and uh, hold your rank is probably going to be um beams to a mccray and then eddie to a primo obviously we wouldn't usually advise trading eddie given he's barely gone up and he's got a low break even but if he's not getting in the side and you're going to cop a donut it's just tough tough times um i think your hand is forced here and probably best to do um an eddie to a, a buddy or a higgins and a uh, Beamstorm McRae you do have to watch your buy be a bit careful because if you do um, bring in two rounds 11 buy players combined with Dalhouse um, that is already three players uh, in the same buy round not too bad so you could could get a um, uh, you could do that who would you pick between um, a Higgins and a Buddy when they're priced at identical prices um, I think Buddy's uh, uh, something like 10, 20 or 30k a little bit more um, I think I think for me, it would actually be Higgins only because he is that little bit cheaper and he's got a more of a friendly role. He's he, As well as Buddy has been going, over the last probably five years, we've seen his scoring potential kind of tailor off. I'm not sure if he's that forward that can go the 100 pluses for an entire season anymore. Um, I, I can certainly see that, um, say, from round you know, hopefully round seven this year to round 23, we can get a hundred out of him, but I'm not sure if he's someone that can do it all season. Whereas uh, Higgins is already going at a hundred this year. And I can only see further growth as not only North Melbourne kind of gel with their new structure of uh, having the younger guys taking on more role, but Higgins himself getting used to being that, you know, that main attacking midfielder that they have in their midfield. And I, I can kind of see, Higgins as the better choice and not only that he's got a great break even and he's cheaper than than Buddy is I think for me I'd be be going in a, a Higgins McRae combo the only reason I wouldn't be double downgrading or the reason that we advise against it pistol is if you're going for rank and you downgrade two guys particularly if one of them you played on the field last week and you put a premium like beams onto the bench you're bringing your amount of you're bringing your scoring power down, aren't you? And so, even though you're, you're ranked highly, everyone around you in those similar ranks is more than likely going to have that one extra premium that week. And unless you get lucky with your your your, your rookies, there's nothing you can do but you know drop down a few ranks. And that's why I'm a big fan of the you know the one up one down because. If you are generating cash, you can get that extra premium in to, you know, keep that score potential coming along and really fighting towards the pointy end. So, Dill, if you are going for for rank, that would be something that I would be um, considering. But you're happy with that pistol. They're the two options. You either um, work with those two rookies in the forward line or what we said, use beams to... uh, um, 
And, and Beams is different because it, Toby, Toby Green is out for two weeks, but um, it, it's through, uh, through striking, whereas Dane Beams is out for two weeks, maybe more, and that's the, you know, the maybe and anything from three and above through injury, you just get rid of. Yeah, I guess if you want to um, cop a donut, you could do a Parfit to a Parsons and then Beams to any midfielder of your, your choice. Um, I, th- I think that's probably the other alternative, but you will, will cop a zero. We should say, I think we both agree that you should trade Beams if you have him, Chizo. Is that what we're getting yeah, at? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I, I think with Beams is that, again, two to three weeks is the hard choice, but with Beams' history, um, I think, and particularly right at the, the, you know, the point end of the season, we haven't seen enough for him that he's going to be an out-and-out you know, top six, top eight midfielder this year. I'd be more inclined to using that money, and particularly here with Dylan that has another 420K in the bank, he can pick anyone he wants. I'd have absolutely no dramas using it to go you know, a Sloan, a Pendles, a Bont, you know, a danger field of this if he didn't have these guys. Yeah, look, I should say Beams has a quad injury, and at Collingwood he had a lingering quad injury. He missed like 16 games or something, so I'm assuming it's going to be the same quad, even if it's not quads are relatively nasty injuries that linger you don't want someone like that in your team i think the biggest thing is they he has the first buy the round 11 buy so if he does miss let's say three weeks are they going to bring him back for one game before the buy or they're just going to give him that extra week off to recover and then get the the buy to recover look i honestly see but beams coming back after his buy he's only averaging 96 at the moment as well so i don't think he's going to be a top 15 midfielder pretty much everything is screaming trade me yeah yeah i'm totally on board you there mate um i think that pretty much wraps up our advice for you deal i think that's something we'll be getting particularly if you're uh, obviously we don't know if you're going for the league or rank but when you're in the top you know 3200 you, you always want to try and make that top 1k have a really good successful year so you know rank is probably what we're advising um basing on uh, like what we expect you to be looking for um but otherwise uh, you know think about it in perspective of what you're actually going for but um uh, definitely, uh, if you feel so inclined, leave a couple of those donuts on the field uh, because you, you, you might end up being just like Jack and having to donate to the podcast every week there, Pistol. <laughs> well, hopefully. Chizo, do you want to run through to people how you would trade, let's say, a Parfit to a Ruck option if you had um, a Nank and Sandy or Nank and Grundy as your two Rucks? How would you trade a Parfit or a Butler to a Ruck option? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Butler's interesting, someone we haven't touched on this week, mainly because of all the other, other issues we have but his uh, his cash generation is basically stalled. So um, if you were in a, a in a in a situation that you want to um, you want to move Nankervis um, from your ruck line and put him on your forward bench, this is how you would do it. So uh, I'm going to give you a scenario here, Pete. You've got Aaron Sandlands and you've got Nankervis in your ruck line. You've got a, a, a loophole at R3, so a non-playing loophole, and you can't just chuck Nankervis on the bench. So what we're going to do is we're going to trade out Parfit, um, who's out for the next 10 weeks, out of our forward line. We can then go to Nankervis and hit the S next to his name, sub him into our forward line because he does have that um, DPP eligibility. That allows us to bring in a player in the ruck line from the money we generated from Parfit. So, for example... um, uh, if we had 400k in the bank, we did a double downgrade like Dylan did last week that we just mentioned. Uh, we could get rid of Parfit, 
use that 640k that we have now and we can bring in a a ruck option like a steph martin who's been absolutely killing it or you could have grundy you could literally pick whoever you want with that amount of money um i'll throw this to you here pistol just now that we've covered that up if you were doing that who would be the ruckman that you're looking for out of all the options this year because all our expected Ruckman, like the Goldsteins, um, the Max Gorns, they're not there waiting for us. Yeah, it's a great question, Chizo. I think at this stage of the year, the top Ruckman seem to be um, Mumford, Steph Martin and Grundy. Mumford has a really dodgy injury history. I'm not sure he's going to keep up 110 average. I'd feel more comfortable um, with Steph Martin just because he has gone, you know, 109, 110 before and he's not unbelievably too expensive. Grundy has been scoring really well, except for when Mason Cox um, has been back in the side. His scoring's dipped. I'd say I wouldn't expect Cox to get many more games for Collingwood, but we don't really have another big tall forward option, so he might just stay in there for a while, in which case I feel like Steph is probably the safest pick, but at the moment um, I'm not even 100% sure that that is the best choice, but he'd be the one I would go for. I'll tell you why I'll go Steph Martin over Grundy, and it's for the same reason. At the start of the year, we wouldn't go Steph Martin because we were so worried about Archie Smith, right? And everyone was blowing up Grundy because he was going to be the next big thing. He's a fantastic ruckman. He's going to do this and that. And then now what we're seeing is Steph Martin is killing it without Archie Smith, and Brody Grundy is killing it without Mason Cox. But the problem is that Mason Cox is playing every second week. And for that reason, Grundy only put up 83 last week. He's only averaging 98 for the season right now. The fact that um, we've got enough confidence in Steph Martin right now to say that he's the sole ruckman, he's not going to have another tall player that's giving him, you know, consistent chop out in the in the ruck line. Whereas Brody Grundy, if, you know, every second week, Mason Cox is in there just jumping around like a, a, a giraffe that doesn't know what he's doing. And it's just hurting Brody Grundy's points scoring. So until Mason Cox is back in the VFL for good, I don't think I can jump on Grundy for that reason. And so for me, it would be a Steph Martin just based on his stellar form to start the year. Um, and the, the fact that, you know, he's the sole ruckman. We haven't even cited Archie Smith even on an extended bench or in the emergencies list so far, Pistol. Yeah, I definitely agree with you, Chizo. And I think lastly for this uh, podcast, do you want to run us quickly through a couple of VCC options? Well, I can if you want. I've got uh, LaHug's captains up for round seven. Yeah, okay, mate. Um, I'll, I'll talk you through who I'm looking for. Obviously, we've got um, a lot of coaches out there that are using the, the R3 loophole uh, with the Fremantle... Uh, the Fremantle non-playing rookie. Um, so because they're playing later in the round, we, we've got a much, much better variety of VCs that we can choose from this this week here, Pistol. So uh, Pendle's fantastic scoring, coming off 150 last week, um, I'm more than happy to put a VC on him. As you said, he absolutely kills Carton. Great history against him. Um, and uh, I, I, one thing I want to mention just on top of that is that at the start of the year, we were all saying that, you know, with Dangerfield up and running, our VC uh, our VC um, limit should be, you know, 130, 135. That's what we should expect from a VC. Otherwise, we just chuck the C on Danger. With his injury, which we haven't touched enough on because Geelong decided to just keep it from us and not tell us that he was playing injured, thanks, Geelong, because he's not someone that we can be so confident in chucking the C on week to week, I think our... 
our expectations of our VC should drop to about 120. So, you know, if we've got Pendles that puts up, say, 124 or whatever his average is against Carlton, I would be more than happy to take that considering I had to suck up a 65 from Dangerfield last week. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. So what other VC options are you just going to lock in Pendlebury? If you didn't have Pendlebury, who else would you go for? Um, so if there was someone else uh, that I would go for, obviously I've got Danger on the Saturday night, but again, I, I do want to see a little bit more for him to see how he's going. Uh, we've got Bont against Richmond, who I think will absolutely cut it up on Saturday night as well um, uh, because uh, Frio in the, in, towards the, the, the end of the round, um, we can literally pick um, uh, pick any of these guys as a VC. Uh, but I think having a Pendles um, uh, Saturday afternoon, we can really kind of uh, think about our captaincy option rather than having to rush it. One thing I don't like doing the VC thing on is, you know, having a VC that finishes 20 minutes before our we have to choose our captaincy option, you know. And, um, you know, if Pendles goes bad or gets injured and then you don't check it in time, you get stuck. So um, I, I, I like spacing out my VCs and my, my captaincy. So at least I've got a night to think about it. Um, so for that reason, I, you know, I'd be going a, uh, someone like a, a Bont or a Pendles or a Dangerfield a, a, as a VC. Um, who would you be thinking about there, Pistol? Oh, well, I'm not a casual, so I don't mind waiting the 20 minutes and, you know, timing it perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but I, I, I would look at doing um, a Pendlebury into a Bont or a Selwood or, or one of those two as your VC and instead maybe going if you have like a, a Sloan or um, someone like that, a Tom Mitchell even, it's probably a safe choice with that spectacular. Um, he probably won't mess up too badly. So um, I think if you'd ask me to take a punt. You could ask yourself a question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? I'm going to say, buddy, I did predict it last week that he would have a good game, and boy, was I wrong. He got absolutely shut down by Alex Varney. But I'm thinking, this is the week. Against Brisbane, their backline's not great. It's at the SCG. You can kick goals from the center circle. They need to win. They need to win. This is a week, buddy goes bang. Pendlebury VC. Buddy C, make it happen, please, buddy. All right, I'm gonna be uh, I'm gonna be holding you that uh, to your pistol. Uh, so basically, you're just saying uh, if uh, if Pendle goes above eighty, you're just gonna take it because you just can't trust uh, Buddy at this stage because he's sputting it. <laughs> More like Spuddy, <laughs> am I right? <laughs> All right, mate. That pretty much wraps up the podcast. It's been a content filled one. It's been fantastic having you on. No worries. Thanks for having me, Cheeso. And uh, don't forget, guys, if you do appreciate the podcast, you do get something from it. Feel free to uh, to subscribe to us on iTunes and give us a review so more uh, super coaches can find us out there uh, or even donate to our, our uh, Donate for Donuts uh, um, uh, and get your team in the running to be reviewed on next week's podcast. We can actually help you out of that little hole like we did with Dylan this week and uh, hopefully we can get you uh, heading towards the pointy end of the season um, uh, with the right places in mind in your team there, Pistol. Yeah, I like how you said, um, like how we helped Dylan. I feel like we just pushed <laughs> Dylan further into a hole. <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. <laughs> Holes full of donuts. All right, there, pistol. I'll catch him with you later. See ya. Well, I know absolutely nothing. I know absolutely nothing. I know absolutely nothing.